Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 2, Deep State. The Deep State is real. And it's just that, a 51st state, hidden from the American people and unacknowledged by the federal government, even as it pulls the government's most important levers. How do you hide an entire state? You bury it. Deep. In Civics 101, we're taught the particulars of the visible constitutional state. The one you can visit in Washington. The one you vote for. Deep state is just a new term for a phenomenon that's influenced American democracy for 150 years. To many, it describes another more shadowy, more indefinable government. That description is accurate, but it's not the whole story. In July 1861, weeks after the first major fight of the Civil War, the first battle of Bull Run, members of President Lincoln's inner circle nervous about his chances at reuniting the nation, decided the country needed a backup plan in case the capital fell. They sent a small group of civil engineers called the Shovelmen to scout locations in the West. Today, some say the hole dug by the Shovelmen, believed to be underneath the Colorado-Wyoming border, houses a powerful bureaucracy rumored to be 600,000 strong. So why is a shadow government designed to silently run the real version of American democracy suddenly a regular topic of conversation within the constitutional state? Is there dissent in today's deep state? What's the ultimate goal of deep state leadership? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. I'm your host, Vincent Strudwick. If you listen to our last season, Cagnew Station, you'll know that our big discovery was that the U.S. government had a plan to tunnel through the core of the planet and bring oil, then tourists, through that tunnel from the Middle East to the South Pacific. This week, we'll continue the tunneling through the Earth theme with our guest, who has written on deep state message boards about a sort of class divide among underground peoples. But before we meet our guest, I wanted to just talk a bit about some interesting history that many deep state believers think is the best explanation for how this phenomenon began. We'll be delving into deep state history a lot this season, so I'm not going to belabor it in detail here. But in broad strokes, the idea of a mammoth bunker that would house an alternative U.S. government was first conceived during the Civil War. In July of 1861, the Confederates won the first major fight of the war, the first battle of Bull Run, just 30 miles west of Washington, D.C. Weeks after that battle, members of President Lincoln's inner circle, who were nervous about his chances at reuniting the nation and about how close Jefferson Davis had come to taking Washington, decided the country needed a backup plan to protect the constitutionally elected government in case the Capitol fell. 
They secretly raised enough money to send a small group of highly trained civil engineers to scout locations in the West where the true government could relocate if the war turned against the North. That group of engineers called themselves the Shovelmen. And when they found a location they believed had the right variables for an underground bunker, they began to dig. We now know that Lincoln's government never needed the dugout the Shovelmen built, but we also know that the dugout was never abandoned. In fact, it grew, and it houses this phenomenon we're now referring to as the deep state. Some say that 157 years after its first phase of completion, that bunker is an underground metropolis the size of Baltimore. So, as I said, we'll talk a lot more about the deep state history and how it came to be, but this week, I'm here with my regular co-host, YouTube unboxing superstar, Clifford Hanger. Putting a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> hey, what's going on, Vincent? <sighs> Crazy week I had. I got in an argument with pizza delivery guy at my house. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because yeah, life is hard for someone like me. Uh, as you know, I'm split. I'm a social Democrat, but I argue like Republican. I'm a donkey in the streets, uh, elephant in the sheets. So the issue was uh, the pizza man came to my, I guess that's a charge statement, pizza man. It was a pizza delivery person, you know. So uh, the pizza delivery person came to my house and I stepped outside to take the pizza and also write, I paid the credit card, I was going to write the tip on the little, little receipt. The pen wasn't working, so I had to go back inside my house. But when I went back inside my house, now I'm a Republican. And I was like, why am I tipping this guy? I'm not, it's not my job to supplement his salary. So I just handed it back to him from the door and he handed me the pizza and he got sewing. He was like, what happened to the tip? And I was like, well, why should I? What is it about the door frame that can change you politically back and forth? It's the Vampiro effect that's been uh, studied from Transylvania. So as soon as I step outside my dwelling, I'm now becoming a Democrat. It's like well, a portal, as it were. Does the house itself matter? Like if you move to no, a No, if I go to a, a hotel, it's the same thing. If I'm in the hotel room, I'm a Republican. If I leave, I'm a Democrat. What about in the lobby? Lobby? No, I'm a Democrat because it's not in my actual dwelling. Wow. Usually, uh, I don't even leave the house because I'm a Republican. So when they ring the door saying that they're here, I say, well, bring your ass to the door. Like it's called pizza delivery, not pizza. You come and then I come outside right. and get it. So delivery pizza actually begs another question about you, I think. It sure does. Pizza comes in a box, right? Yeah. Do you get the urge? Like I'll order Domino's knowing that they won't get the order right. And then I'll unbox it and tag Domino's in all my videos on Twitter and stuff. And next thing you know, they're like responding within an hour, like, so sorry. And I'm like, well, yeah, you're sorry. Your product is sorry. Uh, and then I do an unboxing video and, and voila, you know, the con oh man, you should see some of the YouTube comments about Domino's, uh, Domino's more like Slobino's, you know, like all kinds of just, they just, the trolls just attack. Have you ever done an unboxing video in somewhere other than your house? And is it, do you have a different attitude toward what's in the box? Uh, yeah, I've done unboxing videos at my parents' house where I've lost Sovereign. So I, I no longer feel like I'm at home anymore. Right. So I've done unboxing videos there. And when I'm there, I'm usually like, I'll, I'll do the same thing. Like we'll order pizza. And I'll do an unboxing of Domino's and I'll be like, they tried their hardest. A lot of these people work hourly, so let's give them a break. Yeah, so I would imagine that people who want you, because you're a giant, you're, you're, you're I'm a huge. channel. Huge. Yeah, I'm huge. I'm, I'm a top 10 uh, unboxers on YouTube. I'm also um, top 25 YouTube channels to watch. I made the, um, the 40 under 40 on YouTube. Of unboxing? No, no, just of channels. Like the 40 people who are under the age of 40. Uh, who are on YouTube, who have the top channels. Big unboxer superstars, companies send them things to oh, unbox. Right? Yes. So I would imagine that so if much. I was the company that wanted to send something to you mm -hmm. to unbox, I would send 
my box to your parents' house. Yeah, that's what a lot of companies have been doing. Uh, so I got to spend a lot of time like uh, at my parents' house, and uh, it's fine. You know, I mean, I don't care either way. I'm getting paid and getting free stuff. And uh, you know, sometimes I'll just go either go to my parents or have them mail the boxes to me. And then I'll open them at home, and I will I will just do my unboxing there. Like a company who thinks like, oh, we're getting a good re- good review because we sent it to his parents. Right. But instead, they get it when I'm at home, and it's not necessarily a bad review. It's just I would say when I'm in my house and I'm a Republican, it's more accurate. So if you stumbled on this episode and want more background on our season exploring the deep state, you can listen to our first episode or go to our website, optophobia.org, for more context. Unfortunately, our scheduled guest for this week, Jill Zish, a pedicurist at the Crystal File in Lone Jack, Missouri, was unable to join us. Oh, man. Yeah. Jill tried an experimental pedicure called Cuticle Fire on a client last week, and now she's busy doing a community service project and couldn't uh, join us. However- Read between the lines there. We were very, very fortunate because we booked a guest- who is just amazing. We're very lucky to have her. Martina Krachlikoff is here. Hello. She's visiting the studio from her home in Long Island, New York. Thank you. Oh, Long Island. Okay. Uh, Martina, welcome to Optophobia. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I, uh, it's very special. Well, thanks for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and what you do in New York City? Well, you already uh, spilled the beans there on the Long Island. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Long Island. Uh, my dad was a defense attorney when I was a child and, uh, learned a lot living in New York, learned a lot in the subways in New York. I've been working in the subway since I was 16 years old. They don't usually hire a teenager, but wow. I was very tenacious. You work in the subway in New York. I do. Wow. I do. Wow. I sure do. Dangerous place. What did you do when you were 16 for the subway? Ah, yeah. See, now they won't take an application from a 16 year old. Uh, so you just have to show up, right? You know, they say dress for the job you want. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a uniform, so I just went. I just went every day, and I stood there with the person in the turnstile, you know, and I talked. And I was helpful. I got coffee. And eventually, you know, <laughs> you keep showing up, they're going to give you something to do. Uh, and as I got older, it got to be less of an issue. So I made it to the payroll by the time I was 20. Okay, I'm glad to hear that you did start to get paid because it sounded like um, free labor. Eventually. You got to pay your dues, you know? I'm not expecting something for free. Yeah, okay, yeah. Would you go to one station or would you, did you, and you got to know the people at that station or would you try a different... Oh, well, you'd be wasting your time spreading it around. Yeah, you know, you got to scout. You got to, like, go around and see who might be open to it, of course, you know. Someone who won't even look up at you, that's not going to... Yeah, it's not going to work. It's not going to work out, so... Uh, but I found, down on Water Street, you know, I found somebody, seemed like a good mock. Once they started having you do more real work that they paid you for, what, what did you gravitate toward? Oh, well, I'm a people watcher. You don't go into public transportation if you don't like watching people. You just watch people. Oh, sure. Just all, everyone who comes into the subway on Water Street, you just watch them. I mean, the primary job is sitting there, really. I mean, let's get down to it. Occasionally something happens, for sure, but, you know... Mostly it's sitting there. And uh, I'm an excellent people watcher. So you just watch me, don't take any action? No, what action can I take? You know, they're moving by. What if you see someone, because this is the New York Metro, so like a lot of stuff goes down. Oh, I'm sorry, sweetie. That is so cute. It's the subway in New York. New York subway. I'm so sorry. It was cute. Thank you. I, I think, uh, like, I don't take the subway that often. Um, I usually walk or bike. Oh, a walking biker guy. Okay, I know your type. Well, I'm just, I'm just uh, a liberal looking out for the environment. 
my question for you is like if you see something happening on the subway uh do you you just don't do you don't take any action you just still watch well sir I, let's just get our terms straight here on the subway i assume you mean is in a car i am not in a car i am in a turnstile so something happens in uh, on the platform you mean is this yeah, what we're talking yeah something happens about? while you're on the while you're like looking at people from the turnstile like if you see someone being mugged do you then say something or you just say, I see it? Ah, uh, I see you've been to New York before. See something yeah. and say something. You do. You say something. There's been a rash of turnstile jumping, right? Well, you know, this is a controversial opinion. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. You like the turnstile jumping. It's the athletic. athletic. Yeah. It's exactly. It is Thank athletic. You. It is athletic. It is athletic. And people have places to go. And it shows a get up and go. It does show a get up and go. An attack about your approach to the world. I appreciate it. Ever seen any uh, funny mishaps? Like somebody catches their foot, doesn't uh, make it all the way, not yeah, super eats it. I wish for it every time. Yeah. Oh, you. so you stand there wishing that people would eat it every time they jump Simultaneously over. Simultaneously appreciating uh-huh. their attack and hoping that they will fall on their face. The agony of defeat from the wide world of sports. You know, people like to watch athletics because sometimes... Someone messes up. Somebody messes up. You can't have everybody can't be victorious. Failure is a gift. Yeah. It's a gift. And when if you are failing, it means you have taken a chance. Yeah. It's a, and it's funny. My father said failure is a gift. He told me this. But he also said you should keep the receipt. You should ask for a gift receipt. Yeah, he said you're going to return that gift and get a better gift. It's a lot of common sense. Wow. So... You love the people watching at the turnstile. I do. Did you rise through the ranks? Are you? I'm not sure what you all imagine is happening at the subway. It's not a. It's not a vertical hierarchy. There's a lot of me, and there's not a lot above that. This is my problem when I was in New York, meeting up with other YouTubers at at uh, YouTube cons and stuff. When I was on the subway, I would have like a question for an attendant, but they're on the other side of the turnstile, but I have to pay on the front side before I can go through. So it was a lot of times like they couldn't actually help me. And I felt like that system's wrong. If you're going to be standing there, you should be on the side where there's more need for interaction with the public. But you're you're on the other side. And often I found them mocking, almost like, well, you should have figured this out before you came down here. What is this, your first time in New York? I think I called it Metro once and someone... <laughs> Well, it's better people watching on the other side, right? It is. And all of everything you just said is completely purposeful. Okay. Right? We care about you paying the money to get into the system. Yeah. We don't care at all about what happens to you after that. Had I known that I could have just jumped and had I not eaten it, I'd been scot-free, I would have done that. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's not every turnstile attendant that feels the way I feel about turnstile jumping. And are you still at the Water Street Station? Absolutely. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Martina Krachlikov. Hey, optophobes. Last week we told you about one of Blend Venom Solutions' new products, Kananga Pit Viper Gels. Season 1 listeners will remember that this podcast miraculously came into a lot of money last year when it inherited Blend Venom Solutions. We've since relocated Company HQ to Shalimar County, Florida, home of the polyps at Jonathan Winter's elder care community. More exciting news. In the months between seasons one and two of the show, we also acquired some smaller Venom Ointment competitors, including Fang Juice Corp. and the Slither Spit Fund. The residents of the polyps at Jonathan Winters have been busy trying out a number of our new products, and we're going to roll them out over the course of this season. Just like Kananga Pit Viper Gels, 
Each of our new products seeks to solve one of modern life's nagging problems. It might be not wanting to talk to a vague acquaintance in the grocery store checkout line, or it might be not wanting to be eaten by a hippo while you're in your own bathtub. This is actually happening more and more, believe it or not. Blend Venom Solutions has a solution that involves venom. In fact, that's our new tagline. Blend Venom Solutions. We take away your fears using snakes. Okay, we are back. Martina, you were telling us a little bit about your job in the in the subway, but we invited you on because of your related but slightly different experience um, and interest in the deep state and specifically the mole people of New York. The mole people. So tell us how you first got interested in the mole people. Well, you remember in the 90, in the early 90s, a book came out about the mole people in the New York subway and it became hot and everybody knew all about the mole people. That lady got it all wrong. We all know that, right? It's all been ex- debunked, sufficiently debunked for everyone. I read that book at home and I, I threw it in a trash can. Did you unbox it first? I unboxed it first and said, this is the book about the mole people by uh, Janice Copeland. And I was going to read it and I was like, uh, this is bullshit. <laughs> this is probably more liberal propaganda. So you were unboxing even before YouTube existed. Oh, yeah. I've been unboxing my whole life. I just realized I could make money off of it. That's amazing. That's amazing. You're already doing something. You realize it's valuable for a whole other reason. So, yeah, that book was well-received, but then people started looking into it and finding out. She was not a subway person. I'll say that. Okay? She was an outsider. She got all the details wrong. But a lot of what she was poking after was, in fact, true. I have seen some things in my days. And I just, it's important to me that people understand that you don't just go running around a subway tunnel. It's, uh, it's, a, dangerous, it's a dangerous place to be. But, uh, you know, we hear things and we see things as, as the people who are a little more intimately acquainted. And, you know, in the beginning, you just see, you know, maybe some shoes left in a strange place or uh, garbage seemed to have been collected and deposited like you were taking your trash out, but in the subway tunnels... And then we started hearing something that sounded a lot like British Parliament. You ever listen to British Parliament on like yeah, yeah. C-SPAN or anything like that? Yeah, I, I've heard it on C-SPAN 2. C-SPAN 2? Yeah, it's um, it's a very arousing thing to watch. Arousing? arousing. Yeah, it gets your uh, ire up for uh, political discussion, political debate. Because as you know, I, I, um, I'm a social Democrat, but I argue like a Republican. So when I see um, the British Parliament, I'm... I'm ready to go. You get excited. I get super excited. It is heated. It is exciting. So we started hearing something very uh, similar (laughs) to a British Parliament type situation echoing up from the tunnels late at night. Now, I never went down there to investigate anything, but a buddy of mine did. What do you see? Well, all the rumors about a complete society, 100% true. They got electricity down there. They got swimming pools. They got school buildings. They got uh, hot tubs also, in addition to the swimming pools. Swimming pools and hot tubs. And school buildings. A lot of people? A lot. For like miles and miles and miles. Just as far as the eye could say. A whole society. Anyone circumcised? You know, he didn't check. Or at least if he did check, he didn't tell me. Oh, okay. Uh, One would assume you don't want to run around a subway tunnel with a foreskin. So what were the parliamentary sounds all about? Well... That was the question, was what is ha- what's happening down there? And that's why Sam went, you know, I told him not to go. It's dangerous. And he went anyway. 
They have a whole system of government. I mean, they got a whole upper echelon of mole people making rules for all the other mole people. Are there elections? Are there, like, is it that level of organization? It's ranked choice voting, if you can believe it. We got to burn this society. A ranked choice is the worst voting system there is. Now what? Tell me about why you feel that. It's like the participation badge for voting. It's like, oh, we want to acknowledge this person who was really in last place and didn't get a lot of votes. Like, let's just take who got votes and who didn't. Well, that system's been working forever. Why we got to stop that? I don't know. You'd have to ask the mole people. They chose ranked choice voting. So, Martina, did you did you get any insight or did, did uh, your friend get any insight into how the kind of class divide happens in the tunnels? You're not living underground because life was easy before, right? Y'all remember Futurama? Remember it. I'm still watching it. Pretty much exactly like that. Oh, it's okay. a highly mutated world group of people. Yeah. Right? And so it's the mutations that decide, are you on the top or are you on the bottom? It's a caste system. Brutal. Super brutal, yeah. Super brutal. So you can't graduate into the elite from- You're born into wherever you are. either- Well, unfortunately, there's a lot of- Apparently, apparently, a lot of people who try to, uh, you know, change- the mutations to attain a more desirable muta- it's very sad it's very sad you know you dive back into the pool of mutating chemicals you know i don't know i'm not a scientist okay to try to get a mutation that's more advantageous is very sad are there patterns in the mutations that sort of mark the elite i mean is it sort of like anybody with a mutation from the waist up is in the elite and the ways down is or something like that's very interesting you would say that it's a almost exactly correct you might actually be part mole person somewhere in your soul yes forehead mutations are highly prized the rounder the better and uh yeah fingertip foot mutations oh my god look down upon like circular foreheads or some sort of Thing. A protuberance would be highly desirable. So they're taking the skin off of the forehead? Who's taking the skin? What? What do you mean by the marking, the protuberance? You, like they're they're taking something off the forehead or there is a protuberance? There is a protuber, a mutated protuberance of skin and bone, and sinew, probably blood and capillaries as well. Okay. From the forehead. From the forehead. It's like a crown. I think that's what it is. I've always assumed that it was because it's look, It's like a crown. And maybe more visible. Immediately recognizable, right? It's cold down there sometimes. So if your mentations are on your hands, you're wearing mittens. Yeah. No one even you can't knows see that. how to treat you. On your head. There's no hat that can fit that. My assumption was that it was class divide would also have some sort of hygienic divide. Like when you are in the elite class... Even of a tunnel people, you might be cleaner in some way. Well, you get the higher up tunnel. Because as you might imagine, underground, liquids, they drip. They go from the higher levels to the lower levels. So in the higher levels, you got less muck. You got less wastewater collecting around, making uh, a suitable habitat for gross things. That's where – so if you're fancy – you live in the upper tunnels. So, Vincent, I feel like you're thinking when she says pools, you're thinking of like a community pool like at the YMCA. But from the sound of this, this is just collections of wastewater and gray water that have dripped down from the surface level and collected in a big pool oh. that, you know, the lower level tunnel people have to swim in. Whereas maybe it's filtered for the upper tunnel people. Well, the upper tunnel people have those little uh, handrails. 
Ah, uh, where okay. you can step in and out of a pool. It's still wastewater. Yeah, but that makes a pool. It, it's a pool. If you now. don't have that for a pool, you might as well. You wasted money. Would the hot tubs then be the pools that happen to be next to the third rail? Exactly. Exactly. Or next to any sort of like utility pipe that's moving, you know, steam or something like. There's lots of things that make heat underground. Yeah, the third rail pools have a lot of people floating in them. People, rats, uh, just general refuse. Uh, yeah, absolutely. How do the rats play into this? Are the rats and the, the mole people friendly? Are they at odds? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, Sam didn't have a lot to say about rats when he came back, which was surprising to me because you would think you'd be constantly just forever battling. But no, I think what actually has happened is the rats have won. The rats have the surface. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right? Yeah. The rats are the kings of the top. That the makes top. sense. That makes sense. They don't want to go back down. What for? When anything's going bad, you've seen those videos on YouTube of like, there's a flood coming and rats leave exactly. the subway. Exactly. And they're like, we're, we're too good to die down here with the mole people. And, you know, based on what I know about rats, I think they'd be disgusted by a caste system. A rat's not going to live in a caste system. No. A rat is about equality and freedom, if anything else. Yeah, super libertarian. Yeah. Yeah. So how does the the mole hierarchy, how do you connect that back to the deep state? Well, as soon as I heard about all of this out in the the West, I knew immediately. Who else would dig up some old, forgotten underground structure and turn it in to a seat of power? The elite moles. The elite moles. Holy crap. That would explain why they'd ship me out because I'm not an elite mole. I know we're asking a lot of questions of Sam in his in his one trip. Well, you know, we go back to Sam's initial trip. But uh, once you know some things, you can start to intuit a lot more from what you hear and see just coming up. There must have been some sort of mission of the elite mole people out of the tunnels across land and then back down into the earth once they hit the West. Well, you would think that. You would. You would think, how could you get underground all the way from New York out to the Western fields and lands? They're mole people. Yeah. They tunnel. So they don't just use the tunnels that above-ground people created. Oh, well, of course they, they do. They're already there. They, But they also have acquired a skill of tunneling. Oh, yeah. This makes sense. There's not a lot to do underground. And no one's going to check that. No one's checking to be like, hmm, let's just make sure no one's tunneling through all these states. No one's going to check that. Of course not. No no one's going to even think that someone's doing that. They've had all the time in the world. I mean, a lot of times if you get like a parking ticket or a speeding ticket in a state you don't live in, they won't even follow you for that, for a parking ticket. And that's on the surface. I wonder if they if they would have decided to tunnel all the way out to Colorado instead of just coming up and, you know. So the deep state, once they got to the deep state and established it, you know, they have a bullet train that then shoots people back and forth in that tunnel. Yeah. And if you've lived your life building a seat of power underground, what you really want is a bullet train. Wouldn't that just be the sweetest moment to go, here I am. On a bullet train. With my forehead protuberance shining on a fucking underground bullet train. Something that the surface doesn't have. At least the surface here in the United States. Have you ever thought about whether they have turnstiles for the bullet train? My God, I hadn't. Yeah, you could work there. Well, now. I'm very happy with my employment. I'm not looking to change jobs. You've just done the same entry-level position you've had for a while. I'm just saying, isn't that like a step up bullet train? You are obsessed, both of you, just obsessed with climbing the ladder. I'm outside my house right now, so I'm a liberal. It's it's not just about staying where you are. It's about making a better life for yourself. I like my life. Okay. I don't need a better life. 
Everybody's always obsessed with having a better life. Yeah, that's true. That is that is an obsession with the surface, folks. I think it's remarkable that the elitist moles decided to tunnel all the way out. Well, that's because you're a surface dweller. Yeah. Right? It just wouldn't make sense to you. It wouldn't make sense to me either, frankly. Just come upstairs, go online, go to the JetBlue website, buy yourself a plane ticket. And get over there. And go. It'd be so much simpler. But we're not mole people. Once the tunnel was built all the way out to the deep state, did the elitist moles need the rest of the moles to come populate the deep state or did they just leave them behind in the subway? They certainly didn't dig the tunnels on their own. Right. And so, of course, yeah, there's been a, there's a constant flow, I would imagine, of more people back and forth to keep everything staffed. But no, the vision, I guarantee, was never to lift anyone out of their situation. I bet if you climb down to the seventh level of mole society and told them about the deep state, they'd be like, what? Huh? What are you talking about? Huh? Who? What? Yeah, they wouldn't be told. They, w- they wouldn't know. They're not sharing that information down. Yeah, it's a caste system. They're just getting left behind. Information can only travel upwards in a caste system. Just like the gunky liquids of New York City travel only downwards. It's sad to think that a society that could have been and sounded like a utopian society really actually kind of reverted back to an older, less fair system of government. Well, I don't see any any indication it was ever fair. You know, so we Sam traipses down into the top level, into the highest, nicest, most privileged level of mole society. It was always building towards that. It was always building towards the people who take power, making life better for themselves and worse for everyone else. It's like wherever you start a civilization, there's those people who somehow find a way to like make it worse for everyone else who has less. It's a sad but maybe very realistic place to end the show. I have a question before we end. Yeah. Would you say that this underground system is ultra-structured, like ultra-crazy? It is definitely ultra. Okay, so I just want to put that together. Martina Kretschelkoff, MK, ultra. All right, keep going. That was clever. That was very clever. This one's got jokes. So I want to thank our guest this week, Martina Kretschelkoff. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming all the way to D.C., how did you find the Metro, by the way? It was fine. I They keep their uh, turnstile person very accessible. She's just right there. From whatever side you come from, you can just knock on the thing. I mean, they are good at ignoring you, though. I, that ga- whoo, Respect, okay? Game recognizes game. They do things different here, yeah. Thank you to my co-host this week, Ford Hanger. You can call me Cliff. Uh, you can catch him on YouTube, Unboxing Things. What is your channel, by the way? Uh, spoiled Treats. With Clifford Hanger. Spoiled Treats with Clifford Hanger. Go check it out. Next week, we will talk to Todd Sapcuff, a claims adjuster from Gum Branch, Georgia. Todd says he has proof that the deep state is responsible for the amount of money we all spend on gift baskets. Oh, this is going to pertain to me. Yeah. He points out that no one wants a gift basket and no one really likes giving gift baskets, but that somehow the deep state has forced them upon us. So they must be profiting in some way from gift baskets. Thank you for listening to Optophobia. I'm Vincent Strudwick, and I will leave you with this. A one-legged man swims in circles. If you've got theories about what the deep state really wants, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website at optophobia.org or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at 
optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Thank you to Molly Graham, who played Martina Krachlikoff. Molly performs around D.C. in iMusical and The Quitters. You can also catch her on stage with Story District. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open. Thank you.